0: That was them. This is now. This was so. Let them know. That was them. This is me. This is King. You ain't no. Yo, what's <laughs> up? We are back in the break room for episode 75 of Welcome back, man. So. Uh, if you follow our social media on the Breakroom Hou on Twitter and the Podcast on Instagram and the Breakroom Podcast One on Facebook, you saw we posted that we were going to have some special guests this week. And we actually do. We have three special guests, man. Three uh, very well accomplished uh, journalists covers the Bears, covers the Jets, and covers the Jags. So we'd like to thank, thank them for their time. Uh, we're going to have. Gene Fournette, Rich Samini, and Alex Shapiro. They're going to join us pretty soon in the upcoming segments. Uh, pretty much, I wanted to get started by saying that, so, the season is here. The NFL season has started. We are well into our, not well into our season, but our season opener just happened this past Thursday with the Lions going against the Chiefs. Now, for those of you who like to bet, and I don't—I think, I want to say the Lions shocked the world because they didn't really shock me. I'll be honest. I didn't, I'm not going to say I thought they were going to win, but... I knew it was going to be competitive. The Lions, for me, they have arrived. And that's a... I can, I can, for the most part, I can confidently say I feel like they're going to win their division. I know many people are going to think like, well, the Vikings are pretty good, or... You know, for me, the Vikings still have that... They might be kin to the Cowboys and such in a way that they have loser DNA.
1: I got three words for you. You like that? Yeah!
0: It's just a talented roster, but loser in the blood you know it's, it's nothing that can really be helped nor change it's like you know being tall being short uh being big boned whatever all that all that comes into play for them that being said you know a man named uh luke morrow you know uh host for the radio show sports map tonight on sports map radio man he gave a great analogy me, I'm currently 25, man. I have no kids. I have friends that actually recently had children of their own, right? You know, also, you know, everybody has their own cousins, family who have kids, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? You know, I personally have never raised a child, nor have I, you know, been in, like, been in the setting to where, like, I'm, like, heavily inputting or just being in close proximity to a small child to where, like, I'll, you know, be a part of their early development, you know? But, you know, like I said, I have friends who recently have kids And they always say, you know, I don't know what I'm doing Or, you know, this is all new to me And I'm just trying to do my best and things like that And that's all well and good That's all what you should be doing, you know But the best advice What what Luke was saying in his analogy was that I'm going to borrow it for this Because it was just so good The best thing you can do uh, For a kid is just love them You know Love them, just love on them, love them And support them in what they do Positive for reinforcement, of course. Scold them when they mess up, obviously. But love on them. Best thing you can do for them. And you know, Jared Goff. That's that's what he's getting in Detroit. Now, this is not also. This is not me saying that Jared Goff is ascending to this great top five, top ten QB. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. But when he was in Los Angeles, he wasn't getting that love. You know, Sean McVay didn't want him. He didn't really. He didn't draft him. You know, so, and he went on a run when they went to the Super Bowl. They didn't win, of course, but, you know, Sean McVay was consistently on his head uh, during uh, post game conferences and saying, you know, things like, oh, better quarterback play, things like that, better decision making, time management, all this other stuff. Not necessarily loving on his quarterback, and helping facilitate his growth. He just didn't want him at all in the vicinity. Very much gave him the red-headed stepchild treatment. Now that he's got Matthew Stafford, obviously that was a great pick for them. They got their Super Bowl, now they're plummeting because they went all in on one season. And they set uh, a very weird standard for the NFL. You know, I feel like, and this is a completely side note, in the NBA, and hey, we're going to jump sports just for a quick second. I'm going to bring it back. The Golden State Warriors kind of set a standard for the NBA in the fact that, you know, shooting the ball. Steph Curry changed the game, and so they had Steph and Clay and other guys who could support that and facilitate the ball. A few guys who were uh, leapers and high, you know, athletic guys who can rebound and things like that. That's kind of how they built their team for, for a number of years. A lot of guys, a lot of teams tried to imitate that. Until they quickly found out. The only reason that works is because you have the greatest shooters of all time on your team. Now, that being said, here's the difference in the NFL the Rams went all in on one season. Granted, you say, well, it wasn't that many positions, you know, but they went all in on Matthew Stafford. It cost them a lot. You know, the, the most important position on the team, they went all in on for that one season and it's somewhat they, they've they somewhat unknowingly set a gold standard for the NFL like it's all worth it if you get the ring it just becomes not worth it when you don't get the ring you mortgage your future for the present if it pays off it pays off all well and dandy. but if it doesn't then you look like the biggest joke the biggest idiot's of probably your division, probably of your conference. If not the league. So when I think about teams that have tried to follow this trend, um I think about the Jets and what they've done with Aaron Rodgers, what they've done with Dalvin Cook, what they've done with, you know, they have these young defensive pieces, they have these young stars in their squad. I think about the 49ers and what they're doing. They just don't have the quarterback necessarily. And who knows? Rock Brady might turn out to be their guy. Who knows? We think about what the Giants might do. And trying to surround Daniel Jones. The Bears and what they're doing. Trying to sur- surround Justin Fields. Now the Bears to a lot, lot lesser degree. You know. But the Jets. We all know Nick uh, Nick Bosa just got that um, that huge contract. <laughs>
2: Finally.
0: Jets and 49ers have the highest payrolls in the league. I'm not going to go off on the edge and say they're in their future, but they, I feel like they're basically playing with the idea because they know their window is getting ready to close in, the, in maybe a year or two. It's getting close. The Rams have unknowingly set a weird standard for the NFL that really, I want to say for the most part, usually just won't pan out in the NFL. Football and basketball are two different sports. Yes, one player can't impact the game. It's true. It's very true. But not like football, one player can impact the game. Like in basketball, one player can impact the game. Yes, it's all points and it's all defense. It's all it's it's everything like that. But it's not. It's not. It's never one on one play in football. It's very. It's a lot more team oriented. A lot more. With that, since it's team oriented. And since, um, now bringing it back to Jared Goff, and when he was with Sean McVay, his parent, his coach was not loving on him. Therefore, the other children involved were kind of ostracizing him as well. The media, not really talking to him, talking about him like he's a great quarterback. Now he's with Dan Campbell in the Lions, and I think he's found his home. I think he's their guy. Good for Jared Goff. He balled, he balled out against the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes was still doing Patrick Mahomes things. They had horrible drops uh, in the game, so that wasn't his fault. Is One of them, if you can probably find a clip of him throwing the pass, I forgot to the receiver's name, but it, it hit him in the hands and chest, bounced out, and then it was a pick six. Terrible. <laughs> I know some of us, as the season goes on, we're going to just look back and say, like, oh, Patrick Mahomes had X amount of uh, interceptions this season. Oh, yeah, and one of them was in the first game of the season. You know, this is the first time we're going to see, uh, we've seen Patrick Mahomes without Travis Kelsey and Tariq Hill. There's only been two times that Travis Kelsey was not available in a game, and those two times Tariq Hill was available. This is the first time ever in his career He's had neither. One of the top five receivers in the game. One of the top two tight ends in the game. You know, I almost feel like the NFL, this might have been a part of their script of trying to see what Patrick Mahomes can do. We're tired of this guy winning, you know. How can we push his limits? What more can we get out of him? We already got the Madden animation of, you know, run, rolling to your right or left, and then you throwing almost laterally to the ground. What more can we see from this guy? It's pretty incredible what we've already seen already, but it's going to get crazier. Man, coming up next, man, we have, like I said, we have some great guys coming. Alex Shapiro, Gene Fournette, Rich Cimini, talking about the Jags, Jets, Bears. Man, stay tuned, man. We're we'll catching next time, man. It's gonna be some great stuff, man. So follow us on the break room HOU on Twitter, the on Instagram and the Break Podcast One on Facebook. Y'all take it easy, easy man. Stick with us. Looking in the mirror, kiss my face, I'm too conceited. Send a girl home, call another dog, I'm too slime. She ain't wanna eat it on her first day, it's her rhyme. Out with drugs poppin' for the first time. They kicked in like a two-time world champ. Boot it up, they channeled all right, and we are back here in the break room. And to, today, right now, with me, I have Rich Samina from ESPN.com. And uh, Rich, man, just to go and be honest with you, I had four teams that I believe were probably going to be the most interesting with a few honorable mentions. One of them was the Jets, the Detroit Lions, um, the Jaguars, and the Bears. You know. Mm. Now, and there's a few honorable mentions, but at the same time, if you want to, it's just to be funny, those honorable mentions were like the Cowboys, but the Cowboys have absolute just losing their DNA, and so I just wasn't even going to include them, uh, <laughs> but just going to get right to it, um, you also host the Jets podcast called Flight Deck, uh, he's been covering the Jets since 1989, and more, covered more than 500 games and 26 Super Bowls, man, that's so impressive, man, thank you for being on the show. Uh, oh, thanks
1: for having me. I appreciate it, and I agree with your list. I think the Jets are definitely in the top, most interesting teams.
0: Yeah, and so going with them, I feel like you might have had the busiest, uh, the busiest man on the planet since the draft. So <laughs> now, you know, with hard knocks, with Aaron, with the acquisition of Aaron Rodgers and Dalvin Cook, the new running back you have, along with Brees Hall and. What's been going on so t- tell us about like just that process of everything that's been going on? what is the fan base? what is the expectation for this team?
1: Well, it's really been going since probably February when all this Rogers stuff started. The speculation started way back in February. I think it was even as far back as the Super Bowl. So, yeah, it was early February. And uh, so it seemed like it's been constant since then. The trade, we all knew the trade was going to happen, but then it didn't happen until late April. And... uh I'd like to know, I wish I could figure this out somehow, how many times I've typed the word Aaron Rodgers into my laptop (laughs) over the the last five months. Um, It's quite a lot. I've been writing a lot of stories about Aaron Rodgers. Story on Sunday coming on Aaron Rodgers, another story coming on Monday about Aaron Rodgers, uh, another one next week. So, yeah, it's been pretty hectic.
0: And, yeah, so... I just wanted to ask a question, like, because a lot of people, your division is tough. We don't even have to go too far into it. You have uh, the reigning defending chancellor of that division, the Bills. The Patriots aren't necessarily a horrible slouch. Um, now, then you have the Jets, also the Dolphins, who are, I think, probably the biggest dark horse in your division, aside from the Jets, with Tua's oh. health and every health concerns and everything. So, with like I said, with Aaron Rodgers hard knocks all the attention should we really be concerned about that the jets might really usurp the bills as the dominant force of this division
1: well, I think the Jets have a really good chance. I mean, uh, we'll find out where they stack up right away on Monday night when they play the Bills at home. But I think talent, you know, man for man, talent for talent, I think the Jets are as good as any team in the division and maybe even better. I think the Dolphins probably have more frontline talent. I think the Dolphins, we did our ESPN 100 top players in the league. Everyone from ESPN voted on it. And I think the Dolphins had seven players in the top 100. And uh, that was, I think, second or third most in the league. With You know, that's a lot. It was definitely the most of the AFC East. I think the Jets had only four. So I think the Dolphins have a lot of top-heavy talent. But I think the Jets probably have a deeper team. And uh, they have exceptional depth, on, uh, especially on their defensive line. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the Jets are as – I think it's a wide-open division. And uh, I think the Jets have as good a shot as anyone.
0: I'm right along with you. And uh, we were just here talking off-air. Not uh, recently, I think one of another producers was walking around. We were speaking about just what's the standard like in the uh, in the NFL, and they were joking about the go um, the Rams, the LA Rams, unknowingly set a standard for the NFL. Meaning, when back when they acquired Matt Staff, they went all in for one Super Bowl, not even really and not even really uh, thinking about the future, but all in on one season. Have the Jets kind of followed suit with that? You know that's a great question. I think you're
1: seeing the effects of it now with the Rams. You know, basically they're rebuilding now. Having they got rid of so many players because they had uh, they had so many cap issues that they had to get rid of a bunch of players, and so they're starting over. They still have Stafford and Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald, but everything else is pretty much starting over. So I think the Rams probably will have a losing year. I don't think the Jets went in. That far. I don't think they mortgage their future. Now, granted, they're going to have to give up their number one pick next year, um, assuming Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps this year, then that uh, conditional two becomes a one. So let's just assume they're giving up their first round pick. That's a big one to give up, for sure. But, you know, but other than that, I don't think they've mortgaged their future. And also, Rodgers took a $35 million pay cut, which is going to help their salary cap in future years. So I don't think the Jets will be in as dire a situation as the Rams are in now. Okay, thank you for
0: that. And, you know dealing in sports like we both do and, you know, you writing as much as you have, we have fan-based opinion, die-hard opinion, and then we have the journalistic, the realist opinion. So with that being said, are there real concerns about a possible Aaron Rodgers retirement? Because we knew how unhappy he was in Green Bay. Now that he's with the Jets, he seems like he's having a good time. And, you know, things might change and everything and the way he feels about uh, his his status in football and his life in general. Is there a real concern that the possible future is could all change if he just chooses to hang up his cleats?
1: Nah, I, I think that might have been a little bit of a concern at the time of the trade. I don't think so anymore. Aaron has been pretty forthright in saying that he wants to play multiple years. So I, I think he's down for at least two years with the Jets. And... Uh, and He said, you know, the Jets gave up a lot for me. He goes, I recognize that. I don't want to be a one-and-done. I think the only way he would consider a one-and-done is if they do win the Super Bowl this year and that he could walk off into the sunset. Um, I think Jet fans would be okay with that. If, they, if he got up a Super Bowl mm-hmm. and then decided to pack it in, I think Jet fans would be willing to do that. Um, but short of that, I do think he'll play two or three years.
0: Okay, okay. And the only reason I brought this- Up, because you know, he said some of the same things like towards the end at Green Bay when they gave him the big contract, and we all thought that well, maybe he's just going to ride it out there. But you're right. He
1: said that. Yeah, he he said. I I read back at one of the quotes the other day. I'm, I'm a Packer for life and, you know, so I guess maybe you have to take a grain of salt into what he says Uh, but in this case I think it's a different situation Uh, you know, he had a there were some strange relationships in Green Bay that marriage got old and it was time for for both sides to move on here everything is new and fresh and uh, I don't think he feels like the the Jets have done anything to him Uh, he was upset with the the Packers Packers handled him. Uh, none of that exists with the Jets right now. So unless they take something, uh, a drastic turn for the worst, I, I do believe he'll be here for at least two years.
0: That's the hope, man, because I, I, me personally, I really do enjoy this new look of Aaron Rodgers being in a Jets uniform. I, I'm not going to lie, at first it was a little confusing. I felt my heart kind of twitch a little bit, the same thing when Tom Brady moved to Tampa. And so it, everything kind of just changed a little bit. But um, last question I have for you was really, about Robert Sala. Now, you know, there were a Ooh. lot of comments about Nathaniel Hackett from the um, coach in Denver. Uh, my name escapes you just like that. But Payton. Sean Payton made some comments about Nathaniel Hackett and how he mishandled Russell Wilson. And Robert Sala returned uh, with some other comments of his own. And, you know, they're speaking boldly, they're on hard knocks and things like that. Question for you is, is Robert Sala's Tenure here with the Jets, is it tied to what this season can do and what Aaron Rodgers does with them?
1: Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. Um, clearly, uh, yeah, I mean, he's had two years as the Jets coach. They went from four wins to seven wins, although last year they lost six in a row at the end of the year. They, they should have been in the playoffs and they basically choked their brains out at the end. Um, but, you know, there were some. There was some good player development that went on, so there was some good progress, even though it didn't show in the standings. But uh, you know, they had Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson, and some some of the younger guys like Brees Hall before he got hurt. But it's a bottom line business, and he's going to guy he's got to win this year. I mean, if they go seven and ten again, I think he's going to be out of a job. You know, uh, does he have to make the playoffs to keep his job? I, a lot of people say that, but if they go 10 and 7 and they don't make it, you know, I think they'd be crazy to fire the guy. Uh, but if they have a losing record, I think he's fair game. And uh, look, this, this owner has uh, the Jets have the highest cash payroll in the league. The owner has spent a lot of money, he wants to win now. You know, he's in his 70s now, Woody Johnson. And, you know, he doesn't know how many years he's going to have left. So he wants to win now. He's got a 39 year old quarterback. There's no, you know, you can't think about tomorrow. And if the Jets. Crap out again, then uh, people are going to pay with their jobs.
0: <laughs> well, man, <laughs> that's a lot of weight, man. So, um, uh, do you also do you also feel like that this is fair for Robert Sala? Like, you no, know, now with the whole thing with Zach Wilson, how that all turned out because they they spent the pick, so they kind of did what anybody would naturally do with that pick on him. But how he turned out is that his fault? And- no, no, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't blame.
1: Well, I, you know, I wouldn't blame the head coach for that. Uh, I think that was an organizational failure. I think it was uh, clearly not a good pick. Um, I had reservations at the time. I thought they should have traded that pick uh, and kept Sam Darnold. I still think Sam Darnold has a chance to be a decent quarterback. Uh, they could have traded that second pick for a just a, a boatload of draft picks, and that was a Crazy good draft, if you recall. Mm -hmm. You know, the guys in that draft are like, you know, Jamar Chase and Taday Sewell and Micah Parsons. I mean, that draft was loaded. The Jets could have got maybe two of those guys. Instead, they draft Wilson, who had one good year at BYU against a very soft schedule. In a COVID year, and they threw him into the starting job, and and he was clearly overwhelmed for two years. Maybe there's a chance he can turn his career around by watching Rodgers and sitting on the bench, but that was an organizational failure from the top on down, and they were lucky to get a guy like Aaron Rodgers because if they had to go with Zach Wilson again this year, they'd, they'd all be in hot water
0: oh definitely man and I really agree with you on the Jets man they're so such an interesting team to watch and I'm so happy that Hard Knocks decided to follow them this season uh, yeah Uh man Rich, Mr. Rich Samedi thank you so much for being on the show please tell everybody where they can find your work at
1: yeah check out the Flight Deck Podcast I think you mentioned it a little earlier you can get it on Spotify, Apple or just go on the ESPN app and uh, and find it there
0: alright Rich man thank you so much for your time man we'll talk to you later Alright, take care now. They like they said I know it was you me and my brother at the start. We was hitting good at going boat for boat. hey and if you ain't know, we was pushing that pee for show. That shit in my bangs, I've been feeling like both of my pockets getting low better come out. Hey, don't f the dough. We was busting it down for the love. Come and shot with my smoke if you trying to score. All right, and welcome back to the break room, man. We have our next guest, and I'm so appreciative of having him on. Uh, Alex Shapiro for the NBC Sports Covers is the beat reporter for the Bears, also the host of the Under Center podcast. Thank you so much for being on, Mr. Shapiro. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to this. Oh, yeah, so, man, I feel like you might have had the busiest – off season after last season after the ending of last season with the Bears having the number one overall pick and then you know we talk about the new CEO of the Bears Kevin Warren coming in from the Big Ten if raising the most money for the Big Ten Chicago probably looking to build another stadium like everything seems to be just trending in the right direction um Justin Fields had a uh, had a good middle middle pack of the season, uh, even though he was the most rushed quarterback in the league, you know. But things kind of seem like they're heading in the right direction. Tell me about uh, what's the what's the ceiling, the floor, and the ceiling for this team this season?
2: That's the million dollar question, man. Um, honestly, the floor is. Maybe they win a couple more games. Maybe it's a four five win season. You know, I think Justin Fields has what it takes to take the next step in his development and has what it takes to improve passer. And that's what's really required out of, out of him, right? He, you mentioned it. He's a great rusher. But we need to see more out of the passing game. Uh, adding DJ more is a huge help. I think Chase Claypool is in line to have a big season this year with a full off season under under his belt to learn the offense more time to get familiar with Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. So I think that will help, but I have some real questions about the offensive line still Um, Um, basically from left to right, every position there's a question mark. Um, And, If the Bears can't protect Justin Fields any better this season than they did last season, I mean, those other things might not matter, right? He needs time to throw the ball. Um, He needs time for plays to develop. Uh, And if he's got pressure in his face, you know, pretty much instantaneously, again, this year like he did all throughout last year. And I think we're going to see him needing to revert back to scrambling. And it's going to be hard to assess him as a passer. Uh, and then obviously if he's got a ton of pressure, it's going to be tough on the offense overall. So that's, that's the floor, right? Mm-hmm. The protection is not improved and the bears maybe win a couple more games because their defense should be improved. And guys like DJ Moore, Will obviously add wins to this team. Yeah. So the ceiling of this team, though the ceiling of this team. To answer the second part of your question, I could see them also winning nine, maybe even ten games. Mm-hmm. You know, the NFC North. I know. I know the Lions kind of shocked the world uh, by beating the Chiefs on Thursday, but. I need to see the Lions do that consistently. Let's see how the Vikings do after they turned over their roster big time. Uh, What are the Packers going to be like without Aaron Rodgers and with Jordan Love running the show? So, you know, the division appears to be as open as as it's been in, like, the last decade. So the thinking in Halif Hall is why not us? Why can't we step up? Uh, and make a little noise. So there's truly, in my opinion, a wide range of outcomes this year, anywhere between the Bears only win a couple more games to hey, they're they're pushing for a playoff spot, whether that's in the division or whether that's for a wild card spot. But what I don't expect, I don't expect them to be the worst team in the NFL again, right? Last year, three yeah. and fourteen, the worst team in the NFL. That is not what I expect.
0: Hey, and it, that was only by luck because the Texans chose to throw away the number one pick for I don't even know what the reason was. <laughs> so, you know, um, I still have nightmares and cold sweats about that at night sometimes. But um, just from what you're saying, so it sounds like does the base really believe because, you know, we deal in sports and we deal in media. So there is the diehard sense, of the diehard thinking. And then there's the I want to say logical, but the more realistic thinking. So. Sure. is there is is Justin Fields the quarterback of the future or is this he's kind of running on his last legs
2: you know I don't want to say he's running on his last legs. Like I said, I do think he has what it takes to take that step forward and to prove he can be the face of this franchise for the next decade, but he does need to prove it, right? Mm -hmm. There needs to be an increase in his processing speed going through his progressions. Uh, There are times last season where it looks like he finds the open guy, but he just hesitates for a moment before getting the ball out of his hands. Uh, Those are the things, that are gonna to need to speed up. And it'll be interesting to see if if the offensive line can protect him better, you know, that will help. Again, DJ Moore will help. So, you know, again, I don't want to say last legs, but if everything else looks great and Justin Fields still isn't getting it done with his arm, you gotta wonder if the Bears holding two first round draft picks decide to go with a move to make a play on a Drake may or a Caleb Williams, you know, Mm -hmm. because Ryan Poles, the new GM did not draft Justin Fields. Now they, they believe in Justin Fields and it's obvious that when they didn't draft CJ Stroud, they didn't draft Bryce young. That's a vote of confidence for Justin Fields. But this, in my opinion, is a very important season for him in terms of showing yes, Yes, I am that guy. Like I said, I believe he can do it. I believe he's got the stuff. Um, but now we got to see
0: it. Yeah, and you know there was a lot of things that going on during the draft. That this draft might have been one of the most exciting ones I've seen in a few years. And not only with the Texans being so aggressive early on, but um, uh, it's it's so funny. We actually lost the audio because we had said here on the show that we were kind of predicting. I said, well, if I was the Bears, I would trade the number one pick and t- and take DJ Moore and a couple of offensive linemen. Because something we noticed about the Bears is that they bring in different offensive line. Packages for certain plays and certain formations and I was like that's not going to flop as far as play calling but um, even with that I'm kind of with you like on this div- on your division I mean as far as the Vikings go you know I kind of put them in the same bag as the Cowboys you know high expectations but they unfortunately they just have losing their DNA you know it's not it's mm-hmm. not really going to amount to too much let's not get too excited it's just not going anywhere so that being said I might have drank a cup full maybe a gallon who knows you know you ask different people <laughs> a cup full of the Bears Kool-Aid because I really I truly do believe that they have a legitimate chance for the division now I was also high on the Lions as well and so I was kind of putting them I was like they could be second place because I also believe in Dan Campbell so I almost feel like the Lions might have just first place on a lock but Kirk Cousins we kind of fought I'm, I'm, I'm pitting them I'm, Picking him kind of fall by the wayside. That's not going to last. That's just who Kirk Cousins and the Vikings are. Uh, mm-hmm. But with the the uh, the Bears growing and with their ascension, you talked about the floor. You talked about the ceiling. Is so is this thing you said Justin Fields has to prove he's the man. Is there a timeline for this? Is it just a season? Is it two seasons? Is it three? Are there other quarterbacks on the board? Because like we would think, you know, people were saying before the draft, they might, oh, maybe a Lamar Jackson might be on the line or maybe an Aaron Rodgers or maybe, like you just brought up Caleb Williams for the next draft. How long mm-hmm. does he really have? Or is this do it, like you said, maybe not on his last leg this season, but one, two years? I think
2: he needs to show growth this season. He doesn't have to throw for 4,000 yards. He doesn't have to be a top three quarterback, but you need to see a step in the right direction. You know, as long as they are seeing some growth, they can point to progress. They can look at the beginning of 2022 and the end of 2023. And there's, you know, measurable growth, I think Justin Fields is the guy to stay. But if, you know, like I said, the protection holds up, DJ Moore, we know what DJ Moore does, right? Mm -hmm. And he will continue to do DJ Moore things. If everything else around Fields looks noticeably better, but Fields does not look noticeably better, that's when I think the Bears are going to start considering making a change. But again, you know, any, any kind of growth... I think Fields is the guy. And it just me personally, you know, my own opinion, I, I do think that, that Fields is going to be the guy. Uh I'm just not ruling out uh the possibility that it, it doesn't happen, you know, because obviously we don't know. That that's that's why they play the games. That's why football is so fun. You know, we uh we talk about it, we debate, we go over all off season and then and then they play the games and we see. So as long as, as the Bears do see some growth, I think Fields is the guy.
0: Okay, I agree, and I think that is the best-case option because also with Caleb Williams' comments, well, his dad's comments about possibly staying in college if he doesn't like the team he might go to or things like that, it kind of just throws a monkey wrench into the draft. And But um, Mr. Shapiro, man, thank you so much for your time. Alex Shapiro from NBC Sports, also the host of the Under the Center podcast. Can you also tell them where to find you, where to find your work?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you can read me on NBCSportsChicago.com, or you can follow me on Twitter, Alex Shapiro NBCS. I guess I should say follow me on X.
0: Oh, on yeah. It. I'm sorry. Follow to me you, on trying, yeah. X.
2: Alex Shapiro NBCS, and then yeah. You can catch me, my guy, Kenneth Davis, and my colleague, Josh Schrock, on the Under Center Podcast. That's wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Uh, we're out there. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to check out some more Bears coverage, some more Justin Fields coverage, that's where you can find me.
0: All right. Thank you so much for your time. You take care.
2: All right. Thank you as well. Have a good one.
0: Welcome back to The Break Room, and I am here with a special guest, Gene Fournette, a sports columnist at the Florida Times Union in Jacksonville. And so thanks for being on, Gene. I'm glad glad to have. Glad glad that you invited me. Oh, yeah, appreciate it. So, man, the first thing I just wanted to go and get to was that, you know, the season just opened yesterday with the Chiefs versus the Lions, and a lot of people felt like, even though the Lions won, that it probably should have been Jacksonville uh, had the privilege to be the season opener. Now...
3: Yeah, it was a little. It was a little surprising that the opponent they they got for the Chiefs was a team that did not go to the playoffs last year. But obviously, Detroit had gotten a lot of juice by the way they played in the second half of the year, just like Jacksonville did. The only difference is Jacksonville actually made the playoffs. But uh, no, it's a very very entertaining game, and I'm not so sure that the Lions. I'm pretty sure the Lions won it just as much as Kadarius Tony lost it for the Chiefs with his very untimely drops.
0: Definitely. I saw that post you made on your Twitter. Yeah, I, w- I couldn't agree more. And so even with that point, you know, people actually feel like the Jags. And, you know, even though here we're based here in Houston, and I'm a, I'll am be honest, I'm a Houston-doward, you know, born here, born and raised here. Uh, I I can't go against the grain with this, and the Jags have the best chance not only to win the AFC South, but I would almost say the way they played the Chiefs in the playoffs just last year, they have a legit chance to for AFC championship appearance maybe win yeah that's i i i predicted them
3: to go 12 and 5 and make the AFC championship game I, 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 that's the column that's part of, of the column that i wrote for sunday uh, but if the AFC is so loaded you've got literally a half dozen teams that could that could legitimately play for the AFC championship. Maybe you could even stretch it to 7. Yeah. That's 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 how top heavy the AFC is this year. And uh, the one thing that favors the Jags in my opinion over the others is their schedule is a little bit more it's more accommodating than it is for all the others. They everybody plays at least six playoff teams. I think the Jets play 7 and but in the Jags' case, they're the only one that plays the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as one of their playoff teams. All the other ones are playing, you know, they're playing the Vikings or they're playing the Eagles. You know, a little bit of a, little bit of a big difference there, right? Yes. When you draw that, when you draw, when you draw that, Particular first place team as opposed to the Buccaneers. So uh, the schedule sets up nicely for the Jaguars. Their only back to back road games against New Orleans and Pittsburgh is 10 days apart because one of them is a Thursday night game and then they get a bye right after that. So you can't, and plus you, they get the Buffalo Bills in London instead of in Buffalo. So the well, schedule sets up really nicely for them.
0: Oh, that's going to work out perfectly, especially later on in the season. And so now you were talking about odds that you. You wrote uh, about the odds of the Jags uh, going to have an AFC championship win. And and so I, I just want to throw some odds at you. Trevor Lawrence is predicted has the odds to, to win just under 1,400, well, plus 1,400 to win the MVP, just under Lamar Jackson and right above Aaron Rodgers. What does the city of Jacksonville really think of Trevor Lawrence and and now his combination with Doug Peterson?
3: Well, I I think I think I think everybody's pretty unanimous on that. I mean that's that's uh uh you know, obviously based on what Trevor did in the last seven or eight games last year. I mean the Jaguars were three and seven last year. They were dead in the water. I mean part of the reason they won the AFC South title is the Tennessee Titans were snake picked by an incredible amount of injuries that all kinda happened at once. And so that, that that played a big factor in the Jaguars winning it. Uh not to mention they got a They got a uh, strip sack and uh, scoop and score fumble with four minutes to go in that game against the Titans that decided that title. So a lot of things went the Jaguars' way the second half of last season. And the light seemed to really go on for Trevor Lawrence. And uh, so that's a big reason why the Jaguars have sort of become this trendy pick, not just here in Duval, but Nationally, I mean, Peter King, I think, picked him to be the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, Pete Frisco from the CBS Sports dot com, uh, he picked Trevor to win the MVP. So, you know the, uh, you know the, so many years before this, the Jaguars' narrative was, you know, how much longer before they pack up and move to London or some <laughs> other NFL city. Now the narrative is. The Jaguars are no longer a joke. They're a team that's going to have it's going to be a force to be reckoned with because it looks like
0: they're going to be able to score a lot of points. Yeah, and I just think about the last time they had any real offensive relevance. Uh, Blake Bortles was the quarterback against the Patriots in that one playoff game some years ago. And so- yeah, I don't know how much offensive relevance Blake Bortles had
3: <laughs> that. That particular run to the AFC title game was carried on the backs of a defense that scored seven defensive touchdowns that year and had another defensive touchdown and a playoff win over the Steelers. So uh that made things a lot easier for the offense when you have a defense that's doing that.
0: You're absolutely right. And so it's almost so even what you said right there, it was carried on the backs of defense and I'm glad you picked up on my sarcasm with the uh, with the offensive relevance. Um now it's almost like their identities have switched. Now, like, it's more offense-based because now you have Christian Kirk who just broke his 1,100-plus-yard uh, season for the first time in his career, and now you're getting back Calvin Ridley from suspension. And so now you have Trevor Lawrence and, like you say, Doug Peterson. Uh, now the, everything's kind of just moving in the right direction. So I know you were talking about the growth of the team, the development, and what you uh, what is predicted for them this season um is there any sort of ceiling there for this team really or is there um and what is the what's the worst possible outcome I could guess it would be a bad season but um what would be satisfactory be- uh,
3: I, I think I, I think a minimum. I, let's start with the floor, okay? Let's start with the floor. I think the floor is ten wins. Okay. Some people might say nine, but I, I would say the floor would be ten. Now, granted, this is assuming reasonably good help, right? I mean, yeah, we don't, yeah, we have no idea what's going to happen in terms of injuries or anything like that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the Jaguars uh, at minimum would will will win ten games, and I think twelve and five is more. Like it, and I, I see them winning the division by a minimum three games. You know, at Houston and Indianapolis. You know, you're starting rookie quarterbacks in both in both instances. Uh, Tennessee, yeah, they don't know they don't know how much longer they want to hang on with with Tannehill as their quarterback. You know, they seem to want to, wanting to move on, but they're not ready yet. They're not sure that Malik Willis or Will Levis is ready for that. So and you know how many more seasons can you really get out of Derrick Henry where he's you know doing 350 carries 13 1400 yards maybe one year more Two years tops, so, you know, uh, the planets are aligning perfectly for the Jaguars to dominate that division for the next few years, in my opinion. I don't know if it'll be a dominance like Peyton Manning had in the AFC South in the 2000s, because the, uh, the Colts went to the playoffs every year for nine straight years in the AFC South. hmm they won seven titles and they were a wild card two other times. I don't know that the Jaguars will will do that, but I do expect them for the next two, three, maybe four years to really own that division.
0: Oh, uh, Definitely. The AFC, the rest of the AFC South compared to the Jaguars is moving in, in at wheelchair speed. And so, uh, but last question I have for you, man, thanks for coming on. So, last year, Brian Dayball won the uh, coach of the year, which, you know, we congratulate him. The John's had an astounding season. I think I can honestly say almost nobody expected them to be as good as they were, and as far as Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, we expected health and things like that. You know, I almost assume for me, you know, since we're in radio, we're based in opinion and things like that. Now, I know you're a journalist, so you got to base everything in fact. But for me, I always thought that you know the Giants kind of had that cowboy syndrome, the uh, the loser DNA, like uh, without especially without Eli Manning being there anymore. But since Brian Dayball won. And like I spoke about Doug Peterson earlier, in his short time, uh, in his short time there in Jacksonville, he's now uh, elevated Trevor Lawrence. He's he's elevated the entire offense of the team. You talked about the flu yeah, just mean, now. You talked about the flu yeah, just I mean, now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean
3: Doug, Doug Peterson has you know totally changed the culture in Jacksonville. I mean, every everybody's well aware of the disaster it was when Irvin Meyer Was there in 2021. But, uh, what, yeah, I mean, listen the Jaguars have got the formula now they've got the head coach and they've got the quarterback They're those that's your two-headed monster in the NFL that you need to be a Super Bowl contender it doesn't mean you're going to win the Super Bowl it just means you've got a chance that you're going you're going to be in the hunt and that's all that's all you can really ask for because there's no such thing as a sure thing in the NFL I mean there's just there's too many factors but injuries being the primary thing all you're asking for is a chance and the Jaguars have an offense. And let's face it, in the NFL these days, would you rather have a top ten offense or a top ten defense? Well, obviously, you'd much rather have a top ten offense because that's what gets you. That's what gets you into the postseason. In the last five years, forty-eight out of the fifty-eight teams that have scored four hundred or more points have been to the playoffs in the last five years. Three of them have won Super Bowls. So, you know, that's worth that. It. It's nice to have a great defense like the 49ers got, but if you have a choice between the two, you'd much rather have an explosive offense than a shutdown defense in this in this NFL age.
0: I appreciate that information, Gene. And can you tell everybody where to find your work?
3: Uh, I am on X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, <laughs> at, at Fournette. Uh, and uh, and uh, as far as my work in the, in the newspaper, you can just go to Jacksonville.com and find it there.
0: All right, Mr. Fernandez. man, thank you so much for your time, man. We'll be reading your stuff soon. Take care. Okay.
1: Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye. We just Bye. find in the Nebula. And it
2: might not be such a bad
1: idea if
2: I never went home It might not be such a bad idea. If I never
0: went home again Don't you cry, little baby, little baby It'll be alright Don't you cry, little baby It's
2: gonna, it'll be alright